Welcome to a special flashback episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're going all the way back to August of 2020, episode number 25, and the great Holly Farnese, who's the executive director of the Pennsylvania Athletic Directors Association. Holly's not just a master athletic director, but she's also a national leader and a member of the NIAAA Hall of Fame. Uh, Listen as Holly shares some of her best practices for school-based ADs on this flashback episode. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to give a shout out to our sponsors, you know, Violet Defense, um, Ultraviolet Light Systems, Sideline Interactive, Indoor Scoring Tables and Video Boards, Hometown Ticketing, Simple and Easy Online Ticketing. Also want to thank Huddle, Powering Sports with Video and Analytics. And really want to give a shout out to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Uh, they sponsor our Athletic Director's Toolbox segment, and they provide you comprehensive data for your athletic department. Once again, we hope you enjoy this flashback episode with Holly Farnese, the Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Athletic Directors Association. Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another edition of the Educational AD. We have a very special guest today, my good friend, Holly Farnese, CMAA. Holly is the Executive Director of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Directors Association. And she was a longtime athletic director for the uh, Upper Darby School District in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. Holly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jake. It's, it's great to be here. It's great to share information and learn from others. Okay. Well, I know we're going to be learning from you today. Um, as you know, the life of an athletic director is very busy, so we're just going to jump right in. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So, Tell us your story, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, you know, your involvement in sports and and how that kind of led to a a career as a teacher and coach. Well, you know, you've heard the, you've heard the expression before that um, life is a marathon, not a sprint. And that pretty much explains um, my journey. Um, I have not moved very far away from my roots. Uh, I live in suburban Philadelphia. I grew up in a town called Springfield. Um, I 
worked in Upper Darby, which is 10 minutes west of Springfield. And I live in a town called Wallingford, which is 10 minutes east of Springfield. So I've sort of kept my pod. Um, I did marry my high school sweetheart. Our um, first date was the senior prom. So we have both pretty much stayed in this area. Um, and I went to Bloomsburg University. It was Bloomsburg State College when I went there. And um, besides my story being a marathon, it's also a um, testament to education-based athletics because I went to Bloomsburg University to be a world language teacher. I studied Spanish and German, and I was very fortunate as soon as I graduated, I was hired in the Upper Darby School District, and um, I never went anywhere else. I had a wonderful 40-year career in the Upper Darby School District, um, and I believe that the reason I had a wonderful 40-year career was because Upper Darby School District was committed to professionalism for their staff, as well as for the students. And they were very supportive for the staff to grow professionally and learn professionally. So I started year one as a Spanish and German teacher. I was the daughter of two teachers and my parents said, whatever they ask you, say yes. So um, I was there two weeks and the next thing I knew I was a seventh grade field hockey coach. Um, I, my background was a sixth grade intramural program when I was in middle school myself, but uh, read a lot of books, learned professionally. So I was a, a seventh grade field hockey coach. Um, that fall, winter of that same first year, a group of students came to me and said, you know, we need, we need a sponsor for the gymnastics program. Um, we know gymnastics, but we need a grown-up that will do it. My naivety at the time, I went to the administrator in charge of activities and said, "Now I don't know anything about gymnastics. I'll be happy to do it. You don't even have to pay me. Um, and he laughed. Um, and um, so the next thing I knew, I'm now I'm coaching gymnastics. Um, that was a little scarier than coaching field hockey because of the equipment involved and the risk factor. But again, I got a lot of videos. I learned how to be a good spotter. Um, and then one of the pivoting pieces in my career, five years into my career, um, one of my most respected colleagues, um, I respected him as a teacher, but he was an outstanding coach, outstanding track and field coach and he was the girls track and field coach at the middle school and he um he came into my classroom one day and said holly i'd like you to be the assistant girls track and field coach and um i said john i don't know anything about track and field he said holly i can teach you everything about track and field it's the other pieces about you that I want as an assistant coach. And that was really a pivoting piece. And Jake, you know, you and I have worked at middle school classes and conferences together so much. And you know how important it is to have coaches who are people who like to be with middle school students. And that was really a pivotal piece for me to say, wow, there must be qualities that I have 
that are valuable. And that also became a pivotal piece for me in finding coaches at the middle school level, because usually at the middle school level, you are hoping for somebody that will say yes. And so it gave me the experience to find those people who were good middle school educators and say, I will support you from here, but I need you to be the person you are. Caveat to that story, after the first year that I was his assistant, um, he went to the high school and became the head girls coach at the high school. And there I was, the head track and field coach, head coach. of girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was my, that's pretty much my story. And then two years later, Again, people saw qualities in me that maybe I didn't see when I looked in the mirror, and um, I became the athletic director. Um, and that's where my education-based athletics came in because I didn't know, I didn't train to be an athletic administrator. Many people don't. So um, it was through the professional organization of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Directors Association and the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, that that was my college, that was my university. And that's, that's how I learned to be an athletic director and, and hopefully have been able to share that information with others. You know, you, you touched on uh, individuals that were important uh, in your career path. Who have been some of those other mentors, um, either as a student or as a, a teacher, coach, AD, that you can still hear their voice in the things that you say and do each day? I had two great educational mentors. Um, both of them were the principals at Drexel Hill Middle School. Um, one of them was early in the career, and that was a person that helped me to gain the confidence to do either Spanish and German education or athletic administration. But he, I always knew he was there to catch me. If something went wrong. Um, and then my second mentor followed him as principal of Drexel Hill Middle School. But with that person, if I fell, it was me that was going to have to pick up the pieces and figure it out and correct my mistakes. So they were two great educational mentors um, in athletic administration. I couldn't have had a better mentor than Robert Buckenavage. He was the first executive director for the Pennsylvania State Athletic Directors Association. When I met him, he was um, basically working with professional development. Um, and I sort of uh, just followed his lead, um, worked with him, um, and um, had great energy that I learned through him. And he really did start the path for me to be involved in the uh, State Athletic Directors Association and the opportunities that I had to be on the state executive council then opened the doors for me at the national level. At the national level, there's been so many mentors that have also been my friends as well. Um, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't not mention Dr. John Olson, who is um, without a doubt one of the wisest, kindest men that I have worked with. Now, as soon as you name somebody though, you don't want to leave anybody else out, but there were just every day that you work with NIAAA and Posada, you meet another mentor or another person that you network with. For our listeners who are not familiar with Holly's background, she's also um, a recent inductee into our NIAAA 
Hall of Fame. So uh, she certainly uh, rubbed shoulders with some great ones along the way. Um, talking about um, the job of a school-based athletic director, you know, you've certainly seen it from all angles as a student athlete, as a young teacher, a coach, and then an AD, uh, you know, in, in the same school for those years. How has the job changed from when you first got involved to now where you're even seeing it from a statewide perspective as an executive director? I think that, that the people outside of the world of athletic administration have become much more, and I don't mean this negative, it's just how it changed, but communities in general have become much more entitled. Um, and so therefore there is a sense of you owe people things. Um, you owe their child something. You are um, holding to them as a parent or community. Um, and, and that's part of the job, is that's your responsibility to make sure that you do support the children. Um, one of the things that I think also is a challenge that I really never had to deal with as an athletic administration administrator is the social media piece of our world right now. Um, that really, I was able to avoid that even through my last, I would say, decade when it became the hot, the hot thing. Um, I, I was not on, never on Facebook, never on Twitter, never on Instagram. And I use that as plausible deniability. So when you had, you had the issues that came up that were not things that had anything to do with school, but were outside of school, but brought the athletic community into it, I, I could definitely step, take a step back. Um, I was also fortunate. Um, Bruce and I have one daughter and um, the social media craze pretty much didn't hit until she was finishing up her high school career. So. Um, her, her social media world started with college and um, for her, it's been a very positive thing. Her, in her career, social media is very important. Um, so I would say those two things, Jake, if I had to pick two things that are different from my experience is that there's the social media piece that you have to work into the basic nuts and bolts of being an athletic administrator. And then there is a, um, you know, like I said, an entitlement of community and parents. One thing that uh, all of us have had to deal with this past several months is COVID. And uh, if there's one consistent thing we've noticed is that there is no consistent response from state to state, even in my own state of Florida. Uh, we have schools in my area that have been uh, doing uh, phase two conditioning during the summer, uh, working in pods. And then we have schools in the southern part of our state that have not even been back at all since the closures in spring. Uh, What's going on right now in Pennsylvania, you know, from a state perspective, as well as maybe in, in the districts that you're most familiar with? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, Pennsylvania is a pretty large state, as is Florida. So as you mentioned, I being in suburban Philadelphia, I was pretty much at ground zero when all of this hit back in March. Um, 
in the United States, the Philadelphia suburban area was really the hot spot along with New Jersey and New York. And then it spread out, out from there. So um, the, what's going on in Pennsylvania is um, exactly what you mentioned. The Philadelphia area, you know, we are on high alert. But yet there's spots in Pennsylvania that if they've had five cases since March, they've had five cases and zero deaths. So they want to get out and play. They, you know, they, they are playing. They're not having any uptick in the disease. Um, and so they want to proceed forward. And I do credit um, our Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic Association. They have taken a position that we need to keep the kids active. They have to be doing something. They have been inside since March. And I think March to March to even the end of the school, that was like, okay, but now we've got the end line. The issue is we don't have an end line yet. And kids need to get outside um, and to be active. And so I think that where things are right now in Pennsylvania is that there's that mentality of, we want them to be active. We want them to be safe. Um, but so we're working on like being well, being conditioned. Um, coaches have been amazing. Athletic directors. I think that one of the things that's going on right now, Jake, is that I'm watching my colleagues make sure that they are managing by facts. They're on podcasts, they're on webinars, they're gathering as much information as they can. They're watching the CDC guidelines, they're watching what the Department of Education in each state are saying. Um, they're listening to the World Health Organization. They're just garnering as many facts as they can. Because the piece about, I think the most frustrating piece for athletic administrators right now is we are rule followers, we follow rules and we make plans and right now we don't have any rules to follow and we can't make any plans and so there's a feeling of frustration in that we should be doing something and there's nothing that we can do right now and we want we want rules from governing organizations but right now Although this is our world and it's very important and it's our priority, we have to remember that the rule makers, the governors, the, the legislatures, unfortunately, our little world is just a small pea in the pod of the overall picture that needs to be dealt with. And so it's hard to get answers, it's frustrating. Um, by nature, we are people who want to be given instruction and then follow through. So everybody's starting to, everybody's starting to pivot and spending a lot of time managing, as I said, with facts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly a frustrating experience. You know, there is no model for it, for what to do. And, and some schools, uh, you know, fortunately our school, you know, we, we have a plan for reopening from an academic standpoint. Some schools and districts haven't even made that decision yet. And so it's, it's hard to say, well, what are we going to do about athletics when they're not even sure how they're going to reopen? Okay. Exactly. And, and, and that's the frustrating piece is that 
the athletic piece wants to stay on the same plane as the education piece. Um, they're told, you know, make a plan, and then, all right, plan comes out, and then, bang, something else happens, and there goes the plan. Um, giving you an example, in Pennsylvania, our PIAA waited and waited and waited to make any decisions, and they, they finally said on a Wednesday, okay, here's what the guidelines are, so you can start your plan. And then not 24 hours later, the governor came and said, well, we have to scale back and you can't have more than 25 people in a inside venue. Well, well, you can't practice volleyball with 25 people, no matter how, no matter how you wiggle around it, you still, so that was, that was a, okay, well, back to the drawing board. So every day, every day is different, every day. Something else that, um, uh, has been around since this spring uh, across the country was uh, an increased um, awareness of social issues. Um, what are some things, again, I may be putting you on the spot here, but what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators to do a better job, you know, with our kids, our, our communities, uh, as far as being aware of these the social issues and challenges? I think that I think we have to be educated. I think that we have to realize that it's time for us to get out of our comfort zone. That um, that there there are different ways to do things. There are different philosophies. There are different thoughts, and we need to say take a step back and move forward and to just listen to the changes. And, um, and I'll, I'll go back to using, moving from junior high to middle school. I mean, that was, that was a huge change. And it was one school embraced it, then another school embraced it, and it moved on from there. And it was a matter of being educated, better educated. Um, I'm finding the same things happening now with late start. There's, a, there's a, one particular school that's going to try it, and then the next one's going to try it. You know, when we first went to junior high to middle school, everybody said it was a bunch of hooey. It was just a way to change the configuration because of the numbers in schools. Um, when people started talking about um, starting school later, it was, well, you know, if you get the kids off of their video games, they won't need to start school later. Um, now, I know I'm using examples that aren't the hot spots that we have to talk about, but it, it's that same point. And I'm so very proud of the younger people in this country right now, because they are the ones that are, they're leading by example. They are, they are the ones who are, peacefully saying we need to change i i was just before i came on this podcast i was so heartened at the respect that um john lewis is receiving um you know his, his the honor that's being given to him and 
I think that those are important things. We need to have more examples like that. We have to become more broad-minded, Jake. We have to, like I said, get out of our comfort zone and accept that culturally there are differences and it may not be what we're finding to be comfortable, but it's an acceptable behavior. So accept it. Yeah. Let's go and shift gears a little bit. Um, I think I already know the answer to this one, but uh, when you were an athletic director, uh, what were your favorite things about the job? What got you excited about coming to school each day? Um, first of all, the position is very flexible. Um, being an athletic administrator, no day is the same. There's always something different happening. There's always young people who are challenging you, new people that are coming into your lives. Um, I know what music I was supposed to listen to, even though I didn't listen to it. Um, I know what fashion was supposed to be fashionable, even though I didn't necessarily embrace it. Um, but the flexibility of being able to be with the contemporary people every day and the fact that the job never stayed the same. There was always something different that was happening. Um, and, and if you were having a tough year as a teacher, if you were having a tough year, if you had tough classes, there was an end line. Yeah. June would come and you could start over again. The other, the other pieces that I really liked about the job was the, being able to have a lot of communication with people, um, being able to um, collaborate professionally. That to me was what I loved about the job, was the ability to professionally grow and communicate and, and be around young people every day was, that was the best part, was hanging out with, with new people and new children who had new ideas and, and, and they just, you get so proud of them when, when you watch how they grow from a sixth grader to a senior. All right, this next one, um, again, for our listeners, you know, Holly is involved at such a high level, at a high level with our national organization. Uh, she's actually, I guess you could call her my boss. Um, you know, she's the, Not lead likely. <laughs> she's the lead instructor for um, one of our LTI courses that uh, I uh, uh, help with. But um, what are some of the things that that you've done, and I know there's a million of them at the national level, uh, as well as within your last two years as the executive director for your state association, what are some of the things that you're most proud of uh, during your involvement with NIAAA and the Pennsylvania State Association? One of the things that I'm most proud of is being able to work with people like Jake and all of the other classes that I teach and work with. Um, I think that on a, on a national level, I could say that I was most proud of having the opportunity of being secretary to the NIAAA Board of Directors. Um, I, I had a very, just by, by the way that the structure flew, flowed, um, I had a wonderful opportunity for six years to be part of 
the NIAAA board of directors and to have been able to watch the organization grow. Um, just like I mentioned about you had new children that come in every year as, as a teacher and, and athletic administrator, the NIAAA board of directors changes every year. There's new people. One of the great gifts about that is that it's a three-year term and you don't, you don't get to do it again. Once your term's up, it's over. Um, and it's, it's amazing what happens in three years. For me to have had that opportunity for six years was life-changing. And to be able to watch a group of 15 people that continue to follow the same legacy year to year to year to year. Um, that was something that I was very proud of to have been able to watch the history of the organization grow, to be able to watch the leadership training program start as one little seed and now it's 49 classes that's an oak tree um i mean that that was not that wasn't through me that was through the amazing professional development program and committee people but i got to be part of the educational piece of that um, so I, I think that and i nationally wise i'm most proud of being able to have been on the board of directors and been the secretary and kind of been a vital part of what was happening in that organization. Um, in statewide Pennsylvania, I told you that um, my great mentor was Robert Buckenavage. And I, I will say that it would have been a goal of mine to be the executive director of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Directors Association. And that that has happened. Um, and I haven't been kicked out yet, still going, um, which tells me that what I am doing is, is embraced. And that to me is, is something that I'm very proud of. Well, very cool. And I, again, I wanna say thanks for allowing me to um, you know, join your team. It's been a, a tremendous experience for me. I'm looking forward to our next class together. Yes, hopefully we'll be together in Tampa. Yeah, well, if you let me, okay, you kicked me well, out. I'm talking the about hopefully we will all be together <laughs> yeah. in Tampa. Absolutely. That I think would be, that, that would be really, really tough. It was tough to have had to um, cancel our March Pennsylvania conference. I'm extremely concerned that it was something that I thought was going to be a once and done and would never happen again in my lifetime. And just today, it was really preying on my mind that I have great concern as to whether we're going to have to do it again in March of 2021, which would be very hard. And to um, not be able to be in Tampa for the National Athletic Directors Conference this December would be something that would be a very hard pill for me to have to swallow. So, you know, we're going to hope that it definitely. Um uh comes to pass that we do have it yeah i'm going to keep praying for science jake praying mm -hmm. that the scientists will will come up with a vaccine and if they can't come up with a vaccine quick enough they can come up with some kind of treatment that will help with the um you know the different conditions of covid19 so that we can all get back together again because honestly i think that until we get the science 
we're going to be doing a lot of Zoom. No, absolutely. Well, Holly, we, we've kind of come to the end, and we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're certainly a, uh, a master athletic administrator, and now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new AD to their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What's going to go inside Holly's athletic director toolbox? You need to be organized. You need to be a good communicator. And you need to be professional. Because more people know who the athletic administrator is in a school than any other person. You are the most visible person. Um, people know the athletic administrator more than they know who maybe the superintendent is or who's on the school board because you are vis visibly out there every day. And so you are making a statement of who the school district is because that's who they see. So to me, that's what I would put in the toolbox is to be professional and represent your school district as a professional educator. Well said. Thank you so much, my friend, for being on our podcast today. All the best to you um, up in Pennsylvania this coming season. Same for all of you in Florida and God bless all of us around this country. Thanks for having me, Jake. Oh, definitely our pleasure. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please join us again on the next edition of the Educational AD.